You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, good morning. Uh, my name's Sam. If we haven't met before, uh, I'm the senior minister here at St. John's and always a joy to be worshipping the Lord together with you today. Well, every revolution has a song. There's something about music, there's something about song that binds people together and moves their hearts. And so every revolution has a song. The most famous, I think, for us is probably this one. This is the, uh, the song of the French Revolution, now the French National Anthem. Uh, they sung it on the barricades as they brought down uh, the rulers, the king, the nobles. Uh, But it's not only real French Revolution songs that have ended up the themes of the revolution. So anyone who knows uh, musical theatre will be familiar with this song. As millions of protesters marched in Hong Kong... That's right. It's from Les Miserables. hear the people sing from Les Mis, the famous musical. From the musical. So that was actually on the streets of Hong Kong in 2019. The people all started singing the Les Mis song, Do You Hear the People Sing? Every revolution has its song. Now, if you are a parent, you are probably, unfortunately, familiar with the song... Baby shark do 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 do. <laughs> now you may not believe it, but that song has been featured as a song of protest. So this is Lebanon in 2019. <laughs> so the story is. That little toddler was caught up in the protest. He started crying. His, his, his mum was driving through. And so the protesters noticed that. And so they started singing Baby Shark to him to, to cheer him up. But then it became the anthem of the protests in Lebanon in 2019. It's, it's surprising. But there you go. That's the power of music, isn't it? Well, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use this particular song as a protest march, but for the very musical among us, you will recognise that as Bach's Magnificat. The Magnificat is the name for Mary's song that we're talking about today. And actually, Mary's song is a revolution song. It's a song that gathers up uh, a revolution that happened not only in Mary's life, but in the world. Uh, it certainly comes, uh, like all revolution songs, in a historical context. So just before we get to our reading, where Mary starts singing her song, uh, what's happened just before? Well, the angel Gabriel's come to Mary, and he's said that she's going to have this child who will be king, who will be the eternal king on David's throne, who will be God himself. Now, Mary's obviously not married, 
but she's going to have a baby. She's wondering how that's going to happen. He says it's going to be a miraculous work of God's creation in her. And although she knows that, and although God knows that, and although in the end Joseph knows that, none of the other villagers in the little village that she lives in really know that. However much she says, no, it's actually a work of God. And all the villagers are like, oh, yeah, sure it is. And so God knows this is going to be really hard for her. And I think part of his kindness in the message of Gabriel to Mary is to say, now your cousin, Elizabeth, who is older and she hasn't been able to have children, she's past the age of having children, she's going to have a child. And she sends her, uh, Gabriel sends her to Elizabeth. Now, I don't, I don't know, but I suspect that Mary was a little bit trepidatious going to see Elizabeth. Does Elizabeth know, has, has God told her uh, that this is going to happen? Uh, what has God said about me? Because whenever I talk to anyone, I get shamed and I get shunned. And I really respect Elizabeth and I can't imagine how she... I just, I'm not sure I can bear if Elizabeth looks at me like that as well. But she goes... And she meets with Elizabeth. And as soon as she comes through the door, Elizabeth says this. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her in the Lord. Now, I think there are two things that give rise to Mary's song in this. The first is this. It's that where she may have been expecting dishonour, she's unexpectedly honoured. Elizabeth is older. Elizabeth, and in that kind of society, the older you are, the more respected you are. Elizabeth is older, and yet she says to, Elizabeth, to Mary, who may be about 15, she says, why have you honoured me with your presence? Can you imagine what a relief that would be to Mary as she's wondering how Elizabeth is going to receive her? But the other thing that I think gives rise to the song is uh, something that I'm not sure, I, I haven't really seen this before in her words, but do you notice that she uses the word Lord twice? So why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? Now, either in Hebrew or in Greek, whichever they're speaking, uh, Lord can mean noble or king or something like that. Or it's often used of God. And so which, in which version is she using it there in the first line? The mother of my Lord. Well, as, as a good Hebrew, surely it can't be God. And yet she uses the word twice, and I think she uses it in the same meaning. And the second time she uses it is unambiguously talking about God. What was spoken to her by the Lord, by God. And so Mary suddenly has it confirmed for her the words that Gabriel had said. She, God has come to Mary and by the Holy, to, to Elizabeth and by the Holy Spirit given her this insight that is God himself, she's going to be the, the mother of God himself. 
Now, that can only come by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so this is wonderfully confirmed for Mary. And Mary's heart just is overwhelmed and it overflows. And she cries out, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Now, as she does, speaks out this song inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, it's interesting, it kind of goes in two parts. And the first part... Uh, is a lot of me and my, and the second part is a lot of he and his. Did you notice that? Have a look at Luke chapter 1. You'll find it on page 832 of your pew Bibles. Do grab that and have a look at it. Because it starts, the first part is, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my my Saviour, for he has looked with favour on his lowliness of his servant. That's her. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. As she begins her song, she's reflecting on what it means for her. And what it's meant for her is she sees there's a revolution in her life. Something dramatic has happened. When she talks about herself, she talks about herself as lowly. And Mary was lowly on almost every measure. So she was female in a patriarchal society. She was probably around about 15. And so not even of age to speak, even if she could, if she was male. Uh, She came from a little village. Not Jerusalem, not the seat of power. And what's more, she's pregnant and she's not married. Now this is about as low as you can get in the society. Uh, If you try and think about it here, uh, it's like God coming to uh, a pregnant teenager in Frankston and saying, I'm going to make you famous through all generations. I'm going to give you the greatest honour. What I'm doing through you will change the world. She's lowly on almost every level. But what does... God do for her? Well, she says, doesn't she? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, for he's looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. I'm, I'm so lowly, and yet God has made it so that all generations will call me blessed, for he has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his army, scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. What's he done for her? He's shown her mercy. Now, in in some traditions, you can look at Mary and you can think, well, she was honoured because she was so holy and so perfect and so wonderful that God honoured her with this part to play in God's world. But actually, uh, the passage doesn't say that. It actually says she's lowly. It's not that she earned it. God gave her mercy. She needed mercy as much as any of us needed mercy. And so, yes, she's to be emulated and admired, but what is the quality in her that Mary particularly picks up on? She says... His mercy is for those who fear him. It's her fear of the Lord. 
It's her obedience to the Lord. Uh, see, this can be a great corrective uh, for some traditions that might elevate Mary too high. There's also an, a helpful corrective for, uh, for others that may not hold Mary high enough. And so, what does he say? Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And so here we are, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, and we're calling Mary blessed. She's blessed. But the thing that we need to admire and emulate is that she feared God. She feared Him and was obedient to Him. I think the other thing He's done for her is He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Now, can you imagine yourself, a 15-year-old girl in a small village, and all the sneering and shunning and the shaming that comes in the, for someone in her position? Because they don't, they don't understand that God's doing something in her life. And can you imagine all the proud in their hearts as they look at her and look down on her? And so she says, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. They think she's worthless and nothing she knows that she has been given this enormous privilege and honour and joy. He has raised up the lowly. He's scattered the proud in their hearts. That's actually how God always works. See, our world says, perhaps it says to you, you're lowly. You're not particularly gifted or skilled or you've gone beyond working age and so the society doesn't really need you or uh, whatever society says to you, perhaps you think I'm just not educated enough or I'm whatever it is. What God says is you're exactly the kind of person I work through to change the world. And then he comes to any of us who are proud and he says, I will scatter you. I will scatter you. For those who are confident in their own abilities and their own skills, God comes and says, I will scatter you. Because you need to know that you're no better than Mary. And because you need to know that you need my mercy just as much as she did. Because you need to know that you need me, God, just as much as anyone else. Mary is lifted up because she's lowly. She's in the image of God. Uh, she's given him, uh, given her uh, honor and glory. He lifts you up because you're in the image of God if you are feeling lowly and weak because you are a daughter or a son of the king and so you have a nobility that this world doesn't tell you about. But if you're proud, he'll bring you down so that you can be lowly and recognize your need for him and so that you can be lifted up too. Both need to know that the only thing that's going to change this world is your dependence upon him. And the greatest path to honor is not riches. The greatest path to honor is not power. The greatest path to honour is trusting in Him and letting God work through your life in remarkable ways in the place where you are. So He comes to Mary 
And it's a revolution in her life, a total revolution in her life. She goes from the lowest to someone honoured throughout the generations. But it's also a revolution in the world. Christmas is a revolution. I don't know whether you saw the picture uh, on the front of the Pew's News there. It's up there on the screen. And I wonder if you found that a little bit confronting. It's a picture of Mary as a revolutionary. She's standing there with the fist raised. Uh, She's got her foot on the skull and the snake. That's, I think, depicting what Jesus is going to do through her. He's going to triumph over death and sin. And the words there, he's going to cast down the mighty, send the rich away, he's going to lift up the lowly and feel the hungry. Uh, Her song is actually a revolution for this world as well. Uh, So you have a look, pick up your Bibles, have a look at verse 52. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Do you know that the Magnificat, Mary's song, has actually been banned in a number of countries in history? Uh, One of them was the British who banned it. Uh, The British in India banned... Uh, the singing or the speaking of the Magnificat. Uh, Can you work out why? Because all the poor and the lowly, and it's talking about them rising up. In fact, God lifting them up and casting down the rich. Who were the rich? It was was the British in India. Uh, It's happened uh, also in Chile uh, against Pinochet. It also happened in Argentina. They banned the Magnificat. This is a revolutionary song uh, because it's talking about what God is doing in turning the world upside down. He doesn't just use the rich and the powerful. He comes and he uses the lowly and he transforms the world through it. And the place in which you see this most clearly, uh, actually before I get to that, Uh, If you look in history, you'll see that everywhere that Christianity has gone, that's actually what's happened. Uh, It's actually lifted up the poor and the lowly, partly because Christians will go around and they will feed the poor. Uh, They will educate the poor. The other reason it often lifts up the poor over time is because everywhere Christians went, they taught people how to read. Uh, which over the last two centuries has been the biggest thing that is likely to change your socioeconomic status. Particularly in countries where not everyone reads, taught them how to read. The poor are lifted up. Uh, And so that's also something that should be happening through churches today, through our church today. Are there ways and opportunities that we have to be lifting up the poor. We have some of the poorest people in Australia not too far away from us. So I looked at a heat map on the, the lowest socioeconomic in Australia. Uh, they put red was the lowest 10%. I wish I'd managed to get the picture up here. But red's the lowest 10%. The reddest part 
of Cranbourne is Bakewell Street and then three streets that way. There are people in the lowest 10% in Australia, right next to us. Uh, you just go over to Frankston and there's a big swathe of people who are in the lowest 10% in Australia. You go across to the school here. I know there are kids who are turning up who don't always get breakfast. Are there ways that we as a church can be lifting up the lowly? Because that's an action of the gospel. That's what God's on about in the world. That's what he's doing through the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you just have to look at the life of Jesus and you can see Mary's song springing into life. And so what does Jesus do? He goes and he feeds the hungry, doesn't he? Feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. He goes and he sees those who are lowly. Uh, the woman caught in, in adultery. And he doesn't add to their lowliness, he lifts them up. He saw the weak and the marginalised and he confronted the rich and the powerful, the religious powerful. He was constantly confronting them with God's justice and God's goodness. And what does he say? I find it really interesting. I did a little search on the word lowly or lowliness in the Bible and there's a couple of places where it comes up and it's on the lips of Jesus or it's about Jesus. So different translations will, will uh, highlight this or, or hide it depending on how they translate the word. But the Greek word behind the word lowly, I'll show you in each of these, is the same word that's used in Mary's song. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's Jesus talking. And what is the yoke that he's talking about? Take my yoke upon me. It's, it's sin, absolutely. And do you remember the picture of Jesus? When does he hold a yoke over his shoulders? When he carries the crossbar of the cross. Take my yoke upon me. If you would follow me, take up your cross. And how does that bring rest for our souls? Where the Lord Jesus Christ, as he dies upon that cross, takes our sins away and gives us rest. He went as the lowly to the lowliest point so that we might be lifted up. Uh, what does it say? Uh, what does it say? He's brought down the powerful from their thrones. Sorry, this got a little bit out of order. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2, 6 to 11. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he lowered himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, God himself has a heart for the lowly because he went to the lowest place. He lowered himself even to death upon a cross so that he would be lifted up. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the shape of the gospel. 
It's the shape of Mary's song, but it's the shape of Mary's song because it's pointing towards the gospel. And the shape of the gospel is that you're lowered, you're brought down, you see your need of God, you cast your burdens upon Him, and then He lifts you up to life with God, to life with Him. And so uh, Christmas is a revolution. It's a revolution not only for us individually like it was for Mary, in that as we come to what is at the heart of Christmas, we ourselves are brought low as we see our need of God and then lifted up. But it's a revolution in the world as well, as God, through His Spirit and through His church, uh, changes who's important, who matters to those who are lowly, those who you'd least expect. He changes it to you and me. And so God's at work. He's at work this Christmas. He's at work in you and in me to be transforming this world, just as he was at work in Mary's life. Are you ready to say to him, uh, Lord, use me as you will. Lift me up that we might change this world and renew it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the wonder and the glory of what you did in Mary. And Father, we thank you that it is a picture of what you're doing more broadly in the world, but also in our own particular hearts. Heavenly Father, would you help us to both participate in that revolution in our, in our hearts? Lord, if we are proud, would you scatter us? If we're lowly, would you speak to us now and tell us of our nobility and uh, the glory that you've given us? And Father, we pray that in this we might trust the one who was lowered and was raised, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that this Christmas we might participate in the revolution, that we would be faithfully yours and seeking to bless this world. We pray this in Jesus' name.